0: Take your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis 35, uh, and after three weeks of being away from Genesis, uh, we thought we would uh, play this video uh, again to remind us of the series that we were in uh, as we look at Jesus, the true and better. Uh, He is the true and better firstborn, as we're going to see through Reuben today. He is the true and better Savior, as we're going to just barely get into with Joseph, and he is the true and better Son of Favor, or the Son of my right hand, as we're going to see through Benjamin. And so I thought, hey, let's have a Benjamin read the scripture today. It's my good friend Ben Amen. Say hey to Ben, Benjamin. Uh, ben, uh, uh, before you read, uh, how, did, how did you come to know Jesus as Lord? I would say truly
1: when I was in uh, high school ministry. Awesome. Because when really God penetrated my heart. And
0: Amen. Did that change you a little or a lot? Or? A, little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Changed your life. God has blessed you with a wife and many kids. Yes. And uh, we're, it's a joy to have you and Brittany and uh, your family as part of Thank our you. church. So uh, Genesis chapter 35, uh, you're going to begin at verse 16 At verse 16, and uh, read a few verses of scripture uh, about the birth of this uh, first Benjamin in the Bible. Uh, and uh, so Ben, why don't you read and pray for our congregation right. and for me today. Thank you.
1: Genesis 35, 16 through 19. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor. And she had a hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for this time to come together as a community, Lord, as a gathering to worship you, and um, Lord, now as we dive into your word, Lord, I pray you bless your servant Craig, Lord, that uh, you will give him the tools um, to penetrate our hearts and minds, Lord, to bring us uh, closer and in love with you more, Lord, and um, we love you, we thank you, because Jesus, you are the true and better Savior, and uh, we love you, amen. Amen,
0: amen, Ben, thank you, brother, brother. you're a good man. Well, uh, Genesis 35, 36 and into 37. Are you worried at all, three chapters? Uh, don't, be, don't be too worried. We wanna welcome you, those uh, who are here live uh, and also watching live via simulcast around the region and many homes, including our campus in Bel Air with Pastor Bob uh, and uh, a great community of followers of Jesus over there. So why don't you put your hands together and welcome all those who are watching. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, life can be painful. Yeah? Well, that's your first point. You might want to write that down. Genesis 35, where Ben started to read, comes right on the heels of God having come down, spoke, and went up. And when God came down and spoke to Jacob, he, he delivered amazing promises. Amazing I'm going to be with you, you're going to be fruitful and multiply, my covenant is with you, promise, 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 and then God goes up, and then the rest of chapter 35, life is painful. Huh, go figure. God's promises and pain are often mingled together in life, aren't they? I received two shots this week, a tetanus booster and a flu shot, this arm, don't touch it today. And those shots are immunizations, right? They're supposed to inoculate you from future sickness, right? I mean, that's at least what I'm told. And some people view salvation that way, that, hey, if I give my life to Jesus, maybe I should be immunized from hardship. And my friend, that is not the biblical picture. Please hear me. Uh, Your faith in Jesus Christ does not inoculate you from hard times, And this is what we see here in the rest of chapter 35. Promises and pain are often mingled together. We are not inoculated from hardships or from pain. And yes, Jacob is God's chosen vessel. The covenant that God made with Abraham and passed down to Isaac, his son, has now been passed down to Jacob, and God has made a promise that through Jacob and your sons is going to come the covenant blessings from which will bless the entire world, which, fast forward, ends up happening in the birth of Jesus Christ. That is all true, but yet, but yet, creation still groans in the, what does Romans say? In the, creation still groans in the pains of childbirth. And that's what happens to Rachel. It is the pains of childbirth. It is, Unexpected sorrow. Here's that unexpected sorrow that occurs with with Rachel is that she is in labor. Uh, Her midwife says, don't fear, you have another son on the way. But as her soul was departing, meaning she is dying, uh, she calls his name Ben-Oni, which means son of my pain. Uh, Without humor, many of you parents have children that have caused lots of pain. When my mom gave birth to my brother, he was uh, 10 pounds, 8 ounces, uh, two weeks early. She had been on bed rest for quite some time. I texted mom this morning, and uh, mom texted back. Uh, My dad said to my mom after it was all over, that wasn't so bad, let's have another. (laughs) Uh, Add that to the top 10 not to say. But life is full of unexpected sorrow, isn't it? I mean, seriously, life is full of unexpected sorrow. Represented here uh, is a whole collection of people, me included, who have uh, welcomed the unwelcome guests of unexpected sorrow into our lives, miscarriages, miscarriages a very big issue that has not really been addressed much by the church, but it is a big grief, the loss of children. Uh, Suicides, job loss, tragedies, mingled in all of these unexpected sorrows is all of us who cheer for the lions year after year and just, go Packers. But for Rachel, this highly favored wife, uh, the most favored wife, if you remember, very complex blended family. Jacob is married to four women, and he has 12 children from these four women, so a very complex blended family. Some of you know blended families very well and the difficulties and the challenges that go on with that. But Rachel becomes a high-risk pregnancy, which is, in this case, deadly actually found it interesting, just recently a USA Today article came out, uh, and, and it actually said that uh, this, uh, it's up on the screen, the USA Today came out with this, uh, that the U.S. is the most dangerous place to give birth in the developed world. Every year, more than 50,000 mothers are severely injured during or after childbirth, and 700 die annually, that's two women per day, are dying in childbirth in America, And that's not a lot compared to the uh, uh, third world countries. The UN report came out recently as well. A UN report says this, uh, that 830 women die from pregnancy or childbirth-related causes every day. Think of that. Equivalent to one woman dying every two seconds in the world from child labor. And high rates of maternal mortality still exist in places like Africa and Southeast Asia. Uh, I point to that simply to contextualize. Here we have Rachel at a high-risk pregnancy, probably dying because of internal bleeding, and there was no medical advancement to save this woman's life. Uh, But this incident, which should have been joy, becomes a series of pain and Unexpected sorrow. Before she dies, because of the pain and the suffering, she gives a name to the boy, Ben-Oni, that is son of my pain. But Jacob is there, the dad. And he has another name. Uh, Parents usually argue over names, don't we? Uh, My son, his name is Kyle. Actually, for the first 24 hours of his life, before we signed the papers, his name was Trent. Trent. Uh, so we were holding him in the hospital, and all day long, Trent, 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 Trent Treeweiler, Trent Treeweiler. That, that's just hard to say. Trent Treeweiler. And, and so we're like, no, forget Trent, Kyle. And Jacob uh, hears his wife, uh, who's in the midst of dying at this point, calling the son ben Onis son of my pain, and he says, no, no, his name shall be called Ben-Hamin, Benjamin, which means... Son of favor or son of my right hand. It's powerful. Benjamin, son of my right hand. The scripture is full of talking about the right hand of God and it is symbolic of his favor, his blessing, his honor, his authority. And when this boy is born, Jacob says he shall be called son of favor. Son of my right hand. And yet, even in the midst of favor, even in the midst of giving birth to this joyful occasion of a boy, uh, his favorite wife, Rachel, unexpectedly dies in childbirth. The joy of birth is mingled with the sorrow of death. There's a family in our congregation um, who walked through this unexpected sorrows three years ago this weekend. Three years ago this weekend, uh, their son died by suicide. I had them up here on stage a month ago, Ron and Janine. And, and through the pain of that situation, uh, they entered our Grief Share program, and through the series of events, God put such a burning conviction on their heart to be a ministry of healing and hope for other people that are also experiencing the same types of sorrow and unexpected pain. I listened to part of their testimony, which they read in a class uh, in full this morning, but uh, she writes this. On September 29, 2015, we lost our 25-year-old son, Zachariah, to his mental illness, severe depression, when he died by suicide. By the way, nobody ever asked for this, right? Nobody expects this. Our lives were completely shattered Just weeks after losing our son, we learned about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and we signed up for their walk out of the darkness, or out of the darkness event in Grand Rapids. We found life-saving connections, and for the first time, we didn't feel alone. After walking in the Lansing event last fall, we felt God calling us to chair a walk in northern Michigan. My first reaction was, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. It will be a complete failure. But we followed God's leading and started planning. Guess what? We had hope for around one to 200 participants, and we had, picture, we had close to 1,200 people walk. This is last weekend. She writes, She writes. we had hope for around 30,000 in fundraising, and we are now close to 84,000. God taught me a lot through this experience. One, to have complete trust in him when he calls you to do his will. Two, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Three, God reinforced that us being Zachariah's voice is making a difference, bringing hope to the hopeless. God is using our extreme brokenness to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide here in Northern Michigan. We continue to give God the glory for what he continues to do in our brokenness. Isn't that a good testimony? Why don't you put your hands together to thank the Lord for what he's doing? In, In unexpected sorrow, here it is. In unexpected sorrow, we must remember God's promises. Remember, this happens on the heels of God making the great promises. I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will bless you. And then all of a sudden, unexpected sorrow. In those moments of unexpected sorrow, you have to leverage the promises. Let me say it again. In moments of unexpected sorrow, you have to leverage the promises. God is with me. He has not left me. His blessings have remained true. His promises are sure and steadfast. We rest in his promises. Benjamin, son of my right hand, The closest we get to seeing a true and better Jesus is this, is that this scene takes place in a little town called Bethlehem. Hundreds of years later, another woman, Mary, would give birth to a son of favor. Jesus uh, was, in fact, the son of favor. He was born in a world of pain and unexpected sorrow. He was given a name by his father. His name is called Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. He was a son of pain. He was a man of sorrows. But he would triumph over the death. He would be raised to newness of life. And the scripture says that he ascended to the, what does it say? To the right hand of the father where he rules with all the authority and power over the entire cosmos. Do you see it? He is the true and better son of favor. He is the true and better son of the right hand. He is the true and better Benjamin who still today rules over the chaos of unexpected sorrows, and he can do that for you still. Not only do we have unexpected sorrows, we move right into another scene of irreparable damage. Take a look at this. Life can be painful, amen? (laughs) Here it is. One verse given to this tragic thing which will last decades. It it, it causes damage forever in this family unit. While Israel, that's Jacob, a new name. While Jacob lived in the land, Reuben, if you're not familiar with him, that's his firstborn son, the firstborn. So while Jacob lived in the land, his firstborn son Reuben went and lay with Bilhah. If you're not familiar with that, that's one of Jacob's wives, one of the four. So that would be Reuben's stepmom. His father's concubine and Jacob heard of it. Uh, what was Jacob's response? Everybody say, I don't know. Uh, irreparable damage in the family unit. One verse with lifelong impact. Like the man that I met with this week, who 40 years ago, when he was 15 years old, said that his dad had died by suicide. And over 40 years later, the weight of that still affects that man. Irreparable damage. Reuben, it's a great sandwich, but it's not a good son. It's the firstborn son of Leah, and Reuben has sex with Bilhah. Uh, The age difference probably wasn't much. I mean, so when you think about stepmom and Reuben, whatever, but Reuben being the firstborn of of Leah, and then Bilhah probably being a young servant maid, uh, the age difference probably wasn't that awful difference, but... The scripture talks uh, moves now from the traumatic birth of the youngest son to the tragic sin of the oldest son. This sin is so damaging to the family unit that Jacob, the father, will carry this burden with him for decades all the way to his deathbed. This irreparable damage that can happen, by the way, it has happened in many family units around here, this irreparable damage that has occurred in this family unit, it, 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 it just it, it's a weight on Jacob's shoulders his entire life. And finally, Jacob goes to his deathbed when he's delivering blessings and cursings upon his children, and he starts with Reuben because he's the firstborn. Reuben deserves the priority. He deserves the authority. Look at what Jacob says to him. Reuben... You are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, but you're unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed and then you defiled it. Everybody should say, whoa. Reuben lost his dignity, he lost his preeminence, he lost his authority, he lost his right to rule, all because of irreparable damage. Our world is full of Rubens, Like a man in our congregation who was abused by his stepdad for years, and as he shared his story with us, we cried with him because nobody deserves that type of irreparable damage. No man, no woman. Or like the woman who was born from an affair that his mom had with a neighbor and didn't find out about it until 60-some years later, that her dad actually wasn't her dad, but her dad was actually the neighbor. Irreparable damage that causes hurt and harm As I was studying this passage, uh, right here in this moment, uh, I happened to be at the library. I don't go there often, but I was at the library, and a a young man, kitty-corner from me, uh, was on his phone talking very loudly. By the way, that's just annoying, okay? I'm I'm sorry. Little plug for the library. It should be quiet, right? Anyhow, that aside... Uh, This guy was on the phone talking very loudly. He was cursing his girlfriend on the phone, left and right. He was manipulating her with pouting and whining and then cursing at her. He was arguing with her about their upcoming detox appointment that he had to go to. He was telling her to lie to the judge on her behalf, on his behalf. And then in the midst of all of this manipulation and cursing and everything that you could possibly imagine, he was begging her to come over to his house sunday so that he could have sex with her. I don't know about you, but I wanted to punch him in the face. I just did. I that bothers me. Does that bother you? This just bothers me. And I was studying about Reuben and I thought that's Reuben. He's losing his dignity and his preeminence, and he's wasting his life. There's a woman in our congregation. She gave permission to share this story about just the pain of irreparable damage, but she writes this, her testimony. She says, I I grew up uh, being abused by my father from age six to nine. As a teenager, I started using drugs and alcohol to cope and escape my internal pain, started running away, self-destructing. I committed my life to Christ in my 20s and again when." With my husband after we were married, I forgave my dad and tried to move on. For the longest time, I believed God allowed this to happen. Then I got angry and wondered why God allowed this to happen to anyone at all. I still struggle with this question from time to time, but no, God promises to redeem us and heal our pain. It amazes me how many have been sexually abused in their life. Today, she writes, I am caring for my father in my own home. My dad has had MD for the past 20 years and was homeless. I could not watch him live that way. I believe he will be with us for a very long time. It has been hard, but also healing. I didn't choose to be molested. I was a victim. Only God can heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He truly has done miracles in my life. I am truly a mess to miracle story. Thank you, Lord. Can we thank the Lord too? I mean, that's that's awesome. If there's a redemptive nature of Reuben's irreparable damage, it's this, is that he's the firstborn son who lost his dignity by dishonoring his father. Where do we see such a powerful contrast to the person of Jesus Christ? Who is the true and better firstborn, who maintained his dignity, who was always true to his father's command. He maintained his preeminence, honoring his father, only speaking what his father gave to him, only doing what his father said for him to do. He is called in the scripture the firstborn of creation, the firstborn from among the dead, and the firstborn among many brothers. And because he maintained his dignity, and because he maintained his honor, he is the firstborn son who has retained a position of authority and honor and is able to be a blessing to all to come to him by faith. Isn't that good news? Because every single one of us, like Reuben the sandwich, has lost our dignity. We've lost our preeminence, and we need a Savior. And this is Jesus, the true and better firstborn. So here's Jacob, equipped with God's promises. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. And then all of a sudden, we have unexpected sorrow. We have irreparable damage. And then we have inevitable death. His dad, his dad. Do you remember Isaac? We haven't talked about Isaac. Do you remember Isaac? Remember the boy, the little boy Isaac, who Abraham took up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice? And, and, and this little uh, teenager, Isaac, said, hey, uh, dad, AB, AB, AB. Ab- that's a new name, Abraham. Uh, Abe, I, I I see the sticks and I see the fire, but where is the ram for the offering? And Abraham said, "The Lord will provide." This Isaac has now grown old, very old, and it says this: it says that he died in fullness of years. His life was full of hardship. Uh, Think about Isaac. Uh, Isaac's marriage was dysfunctional by every account that we can gather from him and Rebecca. His parenting style was abysmal with favoritism and just awkwardness. Communication in the marriage was terrible. His boys, twins, fought incessantly, deceived. And then the hostility drove Jacob in one direction and Esau in another. And Isaac, as he grows older, he becomes a grandparent. But think about this. Uh, He's a grandparent who never saw Jacob's kids grow up, so he never saw them because of distance. And as for Esau's kids, he didn't like them because of the awful women that Esau had married. This man lived a very difficult life. And yet, the New Testament says this is this is amazing galatians read it with me now you brothers like isaac are children of promise children of promise we are recipients of god's grace though we do not deserve it right our lives are mingled with god's promises and also with pain god works his best works through clay pots that are cracked and broken. And Genesis 35 ends with Jacob's lineage being listed, his 12 sons, and Esau is standing there at the grave. Jacob and Esau, these twins, now brought together to bury their father because of inevitable death. Isaac dies. He is the true and better son Jesus Christ, who would be slain on the same mountain of God, and he too would be a substitute for our sins. Life can be full of pain, can it? As we turn to chapter 36, this is where we do a massive flyover because this is one of the most boring chapters in the Bible. But it's significant. And many do not have faith. Okay? Life can be faithful and many do not have faith. Chapter 36, you can read it today and fall asleep by 1 o'clock. It is Ancestry.com. What it does, what's the purpose? You have to ask, what is the purpose of this? Moses writes this. Moses has just recorded Jacob's lineage, his 12 sons. Now he moves to Esau, Ancestry.com, MyHeritage.com, and it goes through all of the names of Esau's lineage, which includes people groups like the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amalekites. Have you ever heard of them? They are enemies of Israel. Why is it written? Moses is contrasting the division of these twin brothers It's a split family tree. Jacob is walking by faith with his children, faith in the one true living God. They are the covenant bearers through which will come the Messiah. On the other hand, you have Esau's sons who terrorize Israel, the legacy of rebellion and hostility against God's people. From the same womb comes those who walk by faith, and those who do not walk by faith. Parents, do you have any of that in your family? It is very possible, even for twins, some to choose faith and some to reject faith. And through this entire chapter 36, we get a glimpse into those families and regions and geographical places and descendants of people, many of whom simply do not have faith let's fast forward to today in the same region where esau's descendants still live let's just get a snapshot of how many are followers of jesus christ here's just a few of those regions in saudi arabia six percent are christian syria seven percent are christian iraq two percent are christian jordan three percent are christian iran point five percent are christian oman three percent are christian yemen point one percent are christian and these regions many of which are descendants still of genesis chapter 36 isn't that fascinating Some of the most unreached people groups in the world come from right here. And yet, and yet, even here, God has promised to preserve a people for his glory. People like Abdu Murray, who was here a few weeks ago, who God rescued out of Islam, and who now boldly proclaims life in the resurrected Christ. Women like Sophia. Oh, my friends, you cannot miss Sophia. You cannot miss this date. you got to write it down. This is an in-person only event right here, not streamed online because of persecution that she's under. I watched her live. I was captivated by her story, and I said, we got to get her here at New Hope because she stands as a testimony of God reaching into the darkness of Islam and rescuing a woman for, her, for his glory. And this woman now goes around to tell her story, to share boldly with people of the Islamic faith that Jesus is the risen Savior and Lord. It is October 28th. We cannot simulcast it, We cannot broadcast it. We cannot videotape it because of the threats on her life. You have to be here in person or you will miss this story of how God has rescued a descendant of Esau for his glory. It's a powerful story. You will not want to miss Sophia. The point of this passage, I think this chapter, is many do not have biblical faith, but the good news is God has promised in his word to preserve people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, hasn't he? Every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. Jesus, unlike Esau, who traded his birthright for a simple bowl of stew and bread, overcame temptation and maintains his authority as the giver of blessing to all who come. Life can be painful, and many do not have faith. Yet, (laughs) yet, the Lord sends a Savior. Chapter 37, we are only going to get into it, just two verses. Look at it. Jacob lived in the land of his father's uh, sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, 17 years old. Question, have you ever heard of Joseph in the Bible? Anybody? (laughs) Is it like not your favorite character? Up until now, Joseph has just been mentioned simply briefly. He's the 11th of 12 sons. He's kind of just like in the mix. He's one of many. By the way, when you have 12 kids, you just start numbering them, right? As it one, two, three, four. He's 11. His only full brother is Benjamin, son of my right hand. The other 10 brothers are half-brothers. But here we have Joseph. The rest of this book of Genesis is about this, uh, this boy, this man called Joseph, and it will showcase his life. Uh, Joseph is the son who is favored by his father and given a coat of many colors. He has divinely revealed dreams and is able to speak with clarity and with truth. He resists Sexual temptation because of his outstanding love for God. He suffers unjustly in spite of his own integrity. He is raised from the prison to the palace in a sudden reversal that only God could do. He saves the world from disaster. He becomes the savior of the world to both Jew and Gentile in the midst of a terrible famine. And he forgives his brothers who don't deserve it, by looking to God, who takes what his brothers meant for evil by working it for good. In Joseph, we finally, finally, after walking through the tragedies and awful decisions of Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob and his 12 sons. In Joseph, we finally arrive at a character that showcases the beauty of the true and better Joseph. Think of Jesus, he is the son who is favored by his father. He is the son who is given a name by his father. He is the son who is divinely revealed and given words from his father and he speaks with clarity and with authority. He is the son who resists not only sexual temptation, he resists all temptation out of his obedience to his father. He is the son who is raised from the grave to the sky in a sudden reversal of undoing death that only God could do through the resurrection power. He is, a, he is a, the son who saves the world from disaster. He is the son who becomes savior to both Jew and Gentile. And he is the son who forgives his brothers and his sisters who don't deserve it. But he himself looks to his father and has promised to hold us fast. And he has said, all who the Father gives to me will come to me, and all who come to me I will never, ever cast out. Jesus, the true and better Benjamin, son of my right hand. Jesus, the true and better Reuben, the firstborn over all creation, the firstborn from among the dead, and the firstborn among many brothers. And Jesus, the true and better Joseph, who overcomes temptation and moves from the prison to the palace through the power of the resurrection. And it's him, my friend, today who can meet every one of us in our unexpected sorrows, in the irreparable damage that has been caused in our home, in the inevitable death by which we lose loved ones. It is this Jesus who offers hope to the hopeless. I want you to bow with me and pray. What is your comfort today? What is your action step? Maybe your life has encountered a series of unexpected sorrows or irreparable damages or even inevitable death. Maybe you as a parent have children, one who walks by faith, the other who walks by rebellion, and you want to present those needs to the Lord. Maybe you're praying for unreached people groups, unreached people groups and missions throughout the world, unreached people groups even right here in our own nation. Whatever your prayer need is, whatever your action step is, uh, would you say yes to him today? That's a question I want you to answer quietly. Would you say yes to him today? Father, now in this moment, We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for Jesus, who is the son of favor, the son of your right hand, who sits with power and authority over the cosmos. We thank you that that you have uh, preeminence and dignity, that you are not unstable as water, but that you're solid like a rock. We thank you, Father, that we can look to you because of your preeminence, because of your authority. We thank you that you have overcome the grave and that you have guaranteed our resurrection by Jesus's resurrection. And because he was raised, we too shall be raised. Father, I pray that you would exhort this congregation, that you would encourage them, that you would Uh, embolden them, that you would give them strength to carry on and those who have had irreparable damage in the home that you would redeem the years that the locusts have eaten that you would give forgiveness where forgiveness is needed that you would bind marriages together in perfect unity that you would cause children to turn from the errors of their ways to follow you, that you would reach out into the Esau's of this world and bring them back, that they would call on Jesus as Lord Whatever the need is, Father, we say yes to you because you're a good God and a gracious God.